Hi, Rav Judy here with Masecha Vodazara Perak Bet Mishnah Dalit, dedicated to the Schut of Rafur Shlema for Tova Miriam Bat Devorah Mindel. It's kind of funny how this works sometimes, but as I sit down to review this Mishnah and share it with you, I literally learned this topic in the Rambam with a Chavrusa early this morning. So I can tell you, if you want to find more about this, look in the Rambam Hilchot Ma'achalot Asurot, Laws of Forbidden Foods, Parakid Aleph, Chapter 11. It's Halachot Ted Vav and Ted Zion, 15 and 16. It's also in the Shulchan Aruch in Yeridea Kuf Lamed Hey, 135. I just literally was looking at it today, and then I sat down and I'm like, oh, this is the Mishnah this was coming from. Okay, so I reviewed the Mishnah, but I didn't realize that this was the Mishnah I was getting up to do today when I learned this early this morning. Let's say you have a non-Jew's wine skin. It's, it's a canteen of sorts made of, you know, uh, animal skin uh, to hold, hold water, to hold wine, or they're jugs, and they've been using it for wine. And now a Jew wants to put kosher wine into the container. It's forbidden to do so, and you're not even allowed to get benefit from that wine afterwards, says Rabbi Meir. What's the thinking? Rabbi Meir holds that there, there is some wine that's absorbed into the walls of the container, or the skin especially, and that mixes with the kosher wine, and that the same way that the non-kosher wine, the, the Gentile wine, the idolatrous wine, has a prohibition of benefit on it, so too it's now mixed into the kosher wine, there went that. The Chachamim say, look, some of the non-kosher got mixed in, some of the, the idolatrous got mixed in. So you still can, you can benefit from it. Take on the full status of, of idolatrous wine. It simply has a little bit mixed in and it was really mixing out of the walls. And so you can get benefit from it, but you just can't drink it. So the what happens to the when you make wine? So one thing you do is you eventually press the wine, and you're left over with skins and seeds. So the skins and seeds left over from wine that was made by Gentiles. What's their status? So the the Rabbi Meir says, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Isurin isurhana. They're usur and they're usur. They're forbidden even in benefit because they were a part of non-kosher wine that was made for idolatry. The rabbis say that if they're moist, they're still forbidden, but if they're totally dried out, that they are permitted. What's totally dried out? So we say it's, it's a year, so there's no more moisture. Now, what's going on there? This applies as well to the laws of koshering such containers. Namely, that while uh, when there's still any moisture there, so it's still considered wine. If it's totally dried out, or if one koshers it through heat, or some of you may be familiar uh, with the practice of taking glass. Now, glass is not absorptive, but uh, absorbent, but to be able to take glass and put it into a tub, like a bathtub before Pesach, or before Pesach, and put it in cold water for 24 hours, then drain out the water, put it in cold water, drain out the water every 24 hours. So that's also mentioned in this topic as a way of taking things that were used for cold... Right? So it's not used for like hot dishes, but for cold things such as a wine vat could be a way to kosher it. So these are all ways of getting rid of whatever was in the walls of the container. Okay. So if it's dry, says the uh, Mishnah, totally dried out, not there anymore, then you don't have to worry about it either. What is that? That's waiting a year. That's another way. Hamuryas <laughs> Unyaki Shogoyim, Asurin Misurin Isurhana'a, Dear Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir holds that there are two things. There are... Murias is a, it's kind of like, I believe, a, a brine taken from small fish. 
it had particular, uh, it was like, a, like, a, like a fish brine that would mix with a little bit of wine and it was used for medicinal purposes, for this, for that. It was, it was a food that people ate and it had a little wine mixed in. So it was similar according to his, his normal fashion. The mayor says, well, if there's non-kosher wine, idolatrous wine mixed in, forget it. Uh, so too, Gvino Ben Unyaki was a, it was a village where most of the cows were offered to idolatry. They were very intense about their bovine idolatrous offerings. As a result, the concern was that if you buy cheese from there, made from milk from there, that the milk was from a cow that was used for idolatry, or that the rennet thrown in there was from a cow. We're going to get to cheese later on in the Masechta, but it was from a cow that was offered to idolatry and that would forbid it even in benefit. That's Rabbi Meir. The Chachamim say, no. The cheese from there, as we'll see later on, the cheese itself is going to be forbidden to eat, but it's not a forbidden benefit. Why? Because the uh, the truth is that while most of the cows were offered to idolatry, not most of the milk-offering animals were offered to idolatry. And there's other forms of milk. One could make goat cheese or sheep cheese or whatnot. And so it's not the majority of all milk animals that could make cheese. It's just the majority of the cows. But within the larger context, you don't have to assume that. And it's, it's, it's actually a minority of milking animals. Therefore, you could get benefit, you just can't eat it. Similarly with the fish brine, while there's wine added, the wine is not added for flavor, it's added as an antiseptic. It's to kill off bacteria and make it safe. So that might make it, again, forbidden to eat, but permitted to get benefit from it. In both cases, the, the rabbis agree, you're not allowed to eat this stuff. The question is, could you get benefit?